Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and I'm joined by regular co-hosts George and Zach, and this week we have another clan mate, uh, the Wild Dog, or, or Josh as he's better known, and we have a packed, packed agenda this week. Uh, two events fired, a success for classic in the, a midweek event fired. Um, we've got Zach's uh, look at the season two of the um, player-run league. We've got George going 4-0 in a daily event. We've got some um, deck techs from the daily events that fired, um, some steel cage lists. So the steel cage event is um, run by MMOG to bridge the gap between season two and season three of the league. And it's um, straight up single elimination. We'll have a look at the deck that Wiffy uh, decided to bring in, Hater's Ball. We'll have a look at Zach's uh, list, which is a, a classic deed still deck. And we'll have a look at my pile of rogue fish. So... Um, We'll also look at um, some Innistrad previews and have a look at how they're going to potentially impact Classic as well. So we'll jump straight in, I guess, by um, having a look at the first event that fired this week. Definitely, definitely. So the first event that fired, it looks like it was on uh, 917. And uh, coming in uh, 4-0, we have Whippy freaking Penguin. What's going on, Whippy? What happened? Go fish, go fish. Um, well, as much as we've said that four-color fish is boring, it's the best fish variant, I think, by a mile, and I played with Old Man of the Sea to steal all the other fishes. That's cool. So it was very effective? I, the one game, the one match I played against Green White, Old Man of the Sea came down on turn, on, uh, turn three of game two and just dominated. Nice. Yeah. Other, so we, otherwise, Dark Confidant and uh, Trigon Predator, both being in the same deck, amazing. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure all our listeners know about um, Penguin TV, but if not, we'll give a quick call out. Penguin TV is produced by George, and uh, ni- nice video footage of um, classic decks in action, and um, George managed to record a, a deck tech for this um, this breakout deck, and recorded all four rounds, uh, where he went 8-0, and not dropping a single game, and... Uh, Great, great to see those videos. Thanks for putting them together, and I'd recommend uh, anyone in the community interested in Classic to hook up PTV and uh, have a look at that, that deck in action. Definitely. And uh, moving down the list, Andy, we have another clanmate, Montolio. We do. Montolio, his shop's deck. Montolio, uh, big keen player of shops, um, especially with uh, No World main deck, and uh, this is the Slash Panther um, variant. Um, so he's not running a metal worker. Um, he's just going for the for the aggro aggressive route, and it was enough to take him to the money. So well done, mate. And of course, as always, his decks are ris- ridiculously shiny. So that, th- that whole thing's spoil. Yeah, it's insane. Any top decks like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> his collection's just fierce. I looked through his folders one day, and oh my gosh. Oh, it's epic. You know, Josh, you want to take us on the next one? It looks like we have uh, a non-clan mate here, Angel of Righteousness. Yeah, we had uh, Angel of Righteousness with the uh, Consecrated Sphinx build, a four-curler fish, a hate deck, basically. I really liked it. Uh, he'd been playing Landsteel a couple weeks there, uh, a couple times, and then it looks like he brought... Uh, this build here, a control build, using Sphinx for the kill, but just jam full of uh, main deck fish hate. Yeah, I like uh, the lightning bolts. Those are cool. Spell Snare. Oh, my God. What a good yeah. card versus fish. 
you know, the fire spouse, the spouse manners. I mean, it's what what more hate could you could you jam in there? <laughs> I after seeing his list, I can't believe that I actually beat him in round four. Yeah. yeah. Did you actually beat him? I guess. You yeah, I, I two owed him, but I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Andy. No, it's like, I mean, yeah, I guess the the shop matchup does look a bit tough, uh, but I, I I just find the the Sphinx as the kind of kill card um, a really odd choice for classic. Uh, getting up to six mana is pretty rough. And it's only well, a he's four, got six. four mana drains. It's not like it's a six six for six either. It's I think it's a four. Yeah, it's a four six. It's a four. See, the interesting thing about this deck, and I don't know if it's an oversight or if he just didn't want to run it against all the artifact tape, but there's no bulk key. And uh, with Consecrated Sphinx drawing you an extra probably four to eight cards before you win the game, that would seem like it'd be good. Yeah, but I mean... Seriously, drawing three cards a turn seems pretty good. The main thing with this is I don't think a normal deck would ever consider running Consecrated Sphinx. This guy's running the full set of drains, and I'm sure that's the only yeah. reason he can run those Consecrated Sphinxes. They just don't seem I, fast enough without acceleration. I just don't see. I mean, if you're only going to run two Sphinxes to kill, why not just throw in a couple more artifacts and throw in the, you know, and the Tinker and a robot and, and call it a day? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think Tinker would actually work pretty decently in here. It has a Soul Ring... It's got a Mana Vault. Mana Vault. It's got a crazy uh, Singleton Mind Twist, too. That's pretty interesting. Mind Twist could be pretty fun. I agree with that. So, uh, George, you want to take the next one there? 3-1 Visual Arts? Visual Arts, who is kind of new to the format. Uh, I mean, I haven't really seen him much before this. But he keeps coming out, and he's playing Good Game Oath. He's got some... He's got an couple of interesting cards, like uh, Chrome Mox is in there. He's got a Chrome Mox, but does he have a full set of Lotus Petals? I don't see any Lotus Petals. He has zero Lotus Petals, but he's running a Chrome Mox. So I don't know about that. You know, what's, what's strange to me is this is a really control-heavy version of Oath. If you look at it, he's running four Misstep, four Force of Will, Three spell pierce, three duress. I mean, that's yeah, like that's a third of your deck right there. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's battling. I think it's a slow version because he doesn't have lotus petals. He's got double Tezzeret, though. It seems like maybe he wants to try and win more with a uh, vault key than he does with both guys. I don't know. I can't imagine not playing Oath with zero Lotus Petals. I do like the Library of Alexandria. I think that's a card that is still much maligned. That I don't. Yeah, see it's a good card. card. All right. I don't know about just one library, though. I mean, if you're going to run this controlling a big field, why not put more in there? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't no, think that's, uh, a, that's a bad question, especially if you know he's running one Ancient Tomb. Can Ancient Tomb be another library of Alexandria? What's he powering into? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you know what? Because he can't go turn one Lotus Petal Ancient Tomb uh, with the Druids. And I think that Library is actually a better card against Workshops than Ancient Tomb in the beginning of the game. Well, you know, I, I do really wonder why he's running Chrome Mox 
and not Lotus Petal because he has two things. I, I know it's like the most minimal of impacts, but the the synchronicity with uh, Library of Alexandria and, uh, you know, Library of Alexandria, tap, draw a card, play the pedal, don't lose the seven cards. And also um, the way it works with uh, Yogg Will. I know it would be very rare, but which one would you rather have? Yeah, and I mean, there is that too. He's playing a Yawgmoth Will, which most of the Oath decks don't employ. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little... It's a different deck. I'd, I'd kind of like to play it before I said anything about it, but, you know, I think we we all have a lot of experience with Oath, so it's kind of... I think they're valid questions. So, uh, Andy, one more deck here. You want to wrap us up on this event? Yeah, this is the Green-White Hate Bear deck, which has been made popular by Animosity uh, MTOL, but a different pilot here, the Maniac. Um, very similar list, if not identical. Um, running a whole heap of uh, hate bears to get the job done. Um, I think we've talked about this in previous shows, so uh, probably leave it at that and, and move on. Cool, cool. So, uh, George, you want to check us into, what is it, 923? Yeah, all right, so... The amazing thing about this event is that it fired on a Thursday night at 10.30 in the evening for Eastern. Um, how many how many events have we fired this year during the week there, Josh? Oh, man. Low, low, Maybe low. Maybe this is the second one? Yeah. Had to. I mean, we've tried a couple times and, and not gotten close at all, so. So, so I think... I think that's huge, even if we had a couple of people who just joined to get it to fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah was there a lot? lot of hope. There, were, there were two people who joined and dropped. Was there a lot of networking? Were people in client kind of looking for well, people? And was, was someone pulling the strings to get it to fire? Or I believe James Banding started a thread on Classic Quarter uh, in the morning of the day and said, hey, why don't we try and get Thursday Night Classic to fire? And then there were a couple people sitting in it for literally hours before the event fired. And I know myself personally, like, an hour, maybe two hours before the event, I was PMing everyone on my buddy list. Yeah, it that took a little good. organization, yeah. Actually, that thread, Gaines had actually tried a couple weeks ago. That thread was a couple weeks old. Uh, and then I actually started it and said, hey, let's try again tonight. And uh, then Whiffy joined, and then another clanmate, Batguts, joined, said he'd, uh, he'd try it. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, I, I mean, it was fortuitous that I had the night off. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been in there. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's nice to see these things firing. And uh, yeah, it looks like at the top we have kind of uh, a deck that performed pretty well in the Classic League Season 2, but not something we're used to seeing very much of. And that's like, what would you guys call this, green, white, black junkfish? Um, I mean, if you want to be specific, this is classic mean deck beats, just without Mox Diamonds. Really? That was like running Night of the Reliquary and stuff like that? Well, mean deck beats hasn't been played in vintage for like almost a year and a half, and we've got a lot of new cards. The formats are different, too. Yeah, I mean... I haven't. I haven't basic, really the seen a deck like this. The same. You're playing hate bears with dark confidant, and you're not playing uh, blue. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I haven't seen a deck like this in a long time. Something that integrates black, and it's running a lot of these cards that are really good in legacy. Knight of the Reliquary is one of the top five creatures in legacy, in my opinion. 
And yeah. in classic, you don't see it very much. It's typically thought of a th- as a, you know, even though it's not usually going to be this size, it's a three-mana 2-2 with, you know, takes a turn to get its ability online. But this guy's had pretty good success with it, you know, running stuff like uh, Wasteland and the Maze of Ith and stuff like that, Caracas. Caracas, man, that would that would have been the scariest thing for me. So I guess actually play, Oh, go ahead. I guess one of the big things about Knight of the Royal Aquarius is that it kind of trumps all the other fish decks. Oh, for sure. Well, that and it can find you your singleton maze of it to keep Lightsteel down. It can find your uh, all your wastelands, all your airlands. Uh, post-board, it gets Bajuka Bog. Yeah. yeah I wish that Bog would have been in the main. You know, yeah. Especially with all the, the zombies that showed up that night. I bet he was wanting it. I was, I was slightly disappointed that I lost to him in round three. Who, this guy, the Osric? Yeah, I, uh, game one, I just zombie ate his face real fast. <laughs> and then game two and game three, I was in a dominating board position, and I just could not find dredgers. Oh, no bueno. No bueno. But, I mean, Did he, you was, have bizarre? he was still prepared. He had two scavenging oozes. He had a Yixlid Jailer. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't, you didn't mulligan into a bizarre hand? My, they... They were hands that would have gotten there if I had seen a dredger within two or three turns that also had answers to hate. All right. I mean, I guess it's fair. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how some of these decks were good. What is Aless Norn for? Is that for the fish matchups? That is for fish and dredge. Uh, right before the event, I guess we're going into the next deck, which is me, at uh, 3-1 with dredge. Um, right before the event, Josh was talking to me, and he's like, if you notice a lot of dredge... You should put Elish Norn in there. And I was like, oh, okay, it turns their zombies dead and makes mine 4 4. And I mean, it also works against Fish. I didn't realize that and didn't side it in against him. I probably should have. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like, before the event, I decided to play Dredge. And I saw Josh entering, and I'm like, I asked him what he was going to play. He said either Dredge or Bargain. And so I put him on Dredge because Bargain didn't seem as powerful. And then. Chantry Gilbert and Tempest Eye both PM'd me at, uh, out of nowhere asking dredge questions. And I was like, okay, I'm putting ley lines in my main deck. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you did you enjoy it? Was this your first time playing dredge in a long time? Uh, I played dredge right... No, I played dredge in, like, Masters 3 before Bazaar came out. And it was, it was okay. I don't really... Didn't really like it, but this version with the Sun Titans and the Fate Stitchers is, I feel like it's way more combo than any other dredge list I've played, and I enjoy broken combos. Yeah, Fate Stitcher, man, it's so scary. I said it last week, I'll say it again, that card just turns dredge into a, a crazier, crazy version of crazy dick. Yeah, like the first time that I went um, land... Return all my blood gas. Dread return them for Sun Titan. Return Bizarre. Return all my blood gas. I was hooked. Yeah. That's the thing you guys uh, were talking last week. I think, Zach, you were talking about how you missed LEDs and, and deep analysis in this build. Uh, you know, I honestly tested it, and those builds don't increase explosiveness uh, as much as you would think because this deck's so fast already. <laughs> yeah, Bizarre. Oh, God. Just the mechanic itself, it's, it's unfair that it's on a land. Yeah, I mean, if you, you throw in the LEDs and the deep analysis and uh, 
you might get an occasional uh, one-turn kill uh, every now and then a little faster, but this thing kills on turn two so consistently that it's it's just insane. Yeah, yeah and definitely... that's, that's why I decided to play this version, because I was like, I don't care. I'm going to win every single game one, and then there's two matches left to be played. They can't, they can't hit ley line every time. Plus, the thing with the LED builds is that uh, you don't have as much access to, to anti-hate in the sideboard. Uh, you know, you really need those Lotus Petals to crank out a, uh, a Whip Smare or a, or a Nature's Claim, uh, and LEDs just aren't as good for that. So, Yeah, one of matches, in one of the games I played in this event, I went turn one, bizarre, Lotus Petal, Nature's Claim, your uh, Leyline of the Void. Yeah, one thing I will not do is argue with Josh on the way Dredge should be built because, like I said, his deck was so anti-hate packed and and it, it was able to respond to everything. It was pretty ridiculous. Still, big props for that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is his deck. I cut one Sun Titan, one Fate Stitcher, and uh, Chain of Vapor Nature's Claim for the four ley lines, and then moved those cards in minus a Chain of Vapor to the sideboard and put in Elish Norn. So. Continuing the theme of Dredge, Andy, who we got next here? Next up is Stuart L uh, ULK, the guy that you played in the Season 2 final. Um, he's also running Fate Stitcher Sun Titan Dredge. Seems to be the popular deck at the moment. Uh, very similar to the deck that Wiffy piloted, but the Leyline of the Voids are in the sideboard. So, Josh, what do you think about the, what is it, Petrified Field and Dark Blast instead of... A nature's claim and whatever else he's missing. He also has an extra extra Icarid. Yeah, uh, you know the, the petrified field. Uh, I actually think that's not a bad call, especially if he you know, was expecting as much uh, uh, anti hate uh, dredge uh, hate that been out. Because I think moving forward, these fast builds aren't going to be quite as good uh, because you know they pack so little main deck hate and. Uh, you know they don't have the petrified fields in in the in the in the main. They don't have uh, the the noxious revivals in the main, which one of our clanmates, Backguts, really had used for quite some time to battle through the hate uh, in the main as well. So even though uh, I think the, the fast builds that you and I kind of jammed through this week, moving forward, I think we're going to have to see a little bit of a shift uh, more back to the more stable uh, uh, builds. Like back, uh, I kind of used a couple weeks ago to uh, to jam through the hate. If you're gonna play dredge in the, in the next couple weeks, yeah. So what what you're kind of saying is you expect more hate and and more resilient dredge decks. Yeah, I mean if if you're gonna play dredge in the next couple weeks, you're gonna have to expect main deck main deck hate. Like the other day in the two mans, I would, you know, just go out in some ticks and. I hit two shops decks that had main deck Leland of the Voids again. Jesus. Uh, and I was like, yeah, what, what'd you do there? You know, my, my, <laughs> one chain, my one chain of vapor, my one nature's claim wasn't getting the job done against that. So yeah. <laughs> One sphere, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, you, if you're going to play Dredge moving forward, you really have to maybe look back to the, some of the older builds that have a little more uh, hate resilience in the main deck especially. That's cool. So, you know, Moving forward, I think we should save this last deck for you, Josh. So, Andy, you want to hit the uh, the next one here? Yeah, well, next up is uh, Visual Arts again. Um, same same deck as he piloted in the last event. 
with the Chromox, uh, with the lack of Lotus Petals, and <laughs> with the Yagmoth's Will. So, um, good enough to make uh, back-to-back money, so c- congratulations to him. Definitely, definitely. And he, it- must, he must have been upset with me, because I got so lucky against him in round two. It was insane. Um, game one was super fast. Game two, he got me with uh, Leyline of the Void and like a million mental missteps. And then in game three, he gets an Oath of Druids and missteps two Nature's Claims from me. And then flips up both Emrakul and Bladesteel Colossus, but can't find a Dragon's Breath, and I get him by the skin of my teeth. So, George, it has been a long time now. I want to ask you one more time. Do you now think Mental Misstep is as good as I think it is? Uh, <laughs> grudgingly, I have to admit that Mental Misstep is a very important card in the format. I will say that when it first came out and you were so high on it, I don't think it was as good in the format as it is now, though. Maybe. I mean, if you're just going to count shops, but every single other deck it has applications. I have to say, uh, where if I was down on it too, I, I just didn't think it'd make that big an impact. But uh, playing Zach and uh, Montalo, I got owned enough times by it that I finally had to come around too. Yeah, I mean, it's not a card that looks like it should be good, but it just it just so is. Especially against Dredge. Oh my god, I love it against Dredge. Like, the, the one thing I'll say one more time, it is freaking force of will for one mana cards without the second card drawback. It's not fair. So, who's this next guy? 3-1 this event. Yeah, I guess that'd be me. Uh, cricket, believe. cricket. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know... Once again, this is the, the dredge list I've been running for a while. We've kind of talked about most of the, the core mechanics of it. Uh, I, I really like the speed of it. When I when I was thinking it up and kind of throwing it together, you know, a lot of people have been playing the kind of the fast dredge decks in Classic back in uh, the day. I think 666 had a uh, really fast dredge, Fate Stitcher dredge he ran with for a while. I looked back at those. Of course, look at the Vintage Champs deck that won. It was very similar. That's kind of where I based my build. I tried a lot of different things with it. I actually tested the, the Visions of Beyond because the, the Vintage deck had, the, of course, Ancestral Recall in it. Wow, that and I try- cool. Yeah, I tried to jam in the Visions, but they just they just weren't any good. <laughs> <laughs> I, Especially I think Vision isn't as good as Recall when you're not running uh, Lotus. and Yeah, I get Lotus Petal is better than a Mox, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they, they seemed fine, especially uh, after the board when you were fighting through the hate. I mean, uh, you, they never were drawing you 20. I mean, they were never, you know, very active because you're kind of slow dredging through the hate uh, in the post-board games. Uh, and you don't need them in, in, the, in the game ones. You don't need them because you're already so explosive. Uh, so they just really serve no purpose. So my, my thoughts have kind of always been with good dredge players that can generally ignore... Like, the half-hate, the cards like Tormod's Crypt and Relic of Progenitus, you just, like, basically play it just slow enough where they have to bust it, and then you really try to go off. Is that kind of how you see those cards? Do those bother you as much as, like, Ley Lines and the Traps? Oh, oh no. I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. I won't generally ignore Crypts and Relics. Uh, those those rarely bother you at all. Like you said, you just kind of manage your your dredgers, uh, keep some in your hand, 
uh, dredge uh, the minimum just to get enough uh, force on the board. And then when they're forced to blow it, then you kind of commit. Uh, the same thing with uh, the, the scavenging ooze. I, I see a lot of people going with those here in the last <laughs> little bit. And, man, those things don't bother me at all. How much I'm, green I'm, mana I'm, do you have? Yeah, I mean, if I had uh, a quarter for every time I'd be, you know, through a scavenging ooze, I'd be a rich man. Those things just hardly slow you down. Uh, so I'm not scared of those at all. Uh, the jailers and the lead lines is what really gets you. Uh, you got to pack. You got to. You got to slow down. Completely stop, uh, and then you got to deal with the uh, the hate and move on. But, but yeah, scavenging ooze is. I guess they have such a range of applications. People really, really enjoy uh, putting them in their main decks. But take, for example, the fish, the Ostrich 250 run the other day, and he's got two oozes and one jailer. You know, if he's really wanting to kill the kill the dredge decks, I'd flip those around, you know, run more jailers and, and not that ooze. Yeah. Uh, but maybe maybe ooze wins out in some of the other matches enough to make it make it work. I'm, I'm not really tested those fish decks that much, so. So, yeah, the problem the problem with dredge is you want to be prepared, but it's rarely played in numbers. That's true. Um, so, with your sideboard, which is basically everyone else's sideboard, uh, not playing dredge in forever, I have no idea what to cut. When you're bringing in three Wismares, two Nature's Claims, and a Chain of Vapor, what are you taking out? I usually cut most of the reanimation package um, so and that's pretty standard especially in the vintage builds uh, you kind of go to the grind them out dredge so you're cutting usually the titans uh, you're cutting the fate stitchers and the dread returns uh, depending on the matchup you might leave one dread return and one a fatty uh, slash kill condition to, to dredge back uh, to uh, excuse me reanimate back up either one sun titan or one uh, flame, uh, flame can sell it. Leave one of those in along with one dread return just to kind of as a, as a secondary plan. But really in the post game, uh, the post board games, your plan should be winning with Icarids and, uh, Blood Gas and Zombie Tokens. Um, so. That's so was, was a third and or fourth Icarid in the sideboard not, uh, good enough when you're doing that transformation? You know, I actually ran that for a while, but it just uh, it came up so little uh, that I, I'd rather have the anti-hate than an additional Icarid. Uh, the plan seems so solid with the, the bridges and the blood gas, and of course, undiscovered paradises to get them back. That you rarely needed that extra body, but I can see that making uh, making a claim there. Maybe take out one Whistmare or one Nature's claim. Uh, and bring in an Icarid. I've seen that uh, frequently in Vintage. I've seen that in Decklist. So, so one one thing before we move on from this event that I want to ask you: after you know being in the money in this and running the the dredge build that you're running here, I it sounds to me like George and Andy, I guess, haven't seen yet your bargain de deck, but I've played against it a bunch and I came away pretty damn impressed. If you could go back to this event that seemed to be like totally dominated by dredge. And not a lot of shop. Would you consider running it? Yeah, you know, it's it's not proved that bad in my testing. The only matchup that's really bad, of course, is shop, uh, and that's kind of the big elephant in the room. Uh, and it's really hard to get through that matchup. But it, it's fairly fast. It kills on turn uh, two and three uh, pretty consistently. Really consistently. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it kind of harkens back to the to the updated uh, spike. 
a bargain deck that Excorpio played way, way back ago. I shoved in some uh, Gitaxian probes uh, and been fiddling around with those, but it's really close to his old list. Uh, and it's if Shops was in the metagame, it'd really be a good call. But uh, unfortunately, it just it can have some cl- clunky draws though. It's got so many situational cards. You know, you draw a couple of soul spikes, uh, a couple of dead bargains, yeah. and then you're just sitting there not doing anything. So it, it can be clunky at times too, though. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, man, I kind of am, uh, am impressed by it. I'd like to get the list from you later, but I would, I would recommend sticking with it because that thing is pretty sweet looking. I haven't seen anything like it lately. So in that event, we had uh, – I don't think we did the roundup for the first one, so I guess we can go ahead and do both of them at once here. In the, in the 917, the roundup of the decks were three Oath, three Workshop, three Green White Hate. Wow, that, that seems like – Pretty much the most of the metagame right there. Uh, <laughs> white, black, hate, 4C fish, 2 gush control, a 4C control, hermit druid, and a join drop. And you know, that, that's really evenly spread uh, results there. But you notice in that first event there was not one dredge deck. And that and all there changes. there were five fishies. That all changes in a minute. Because in the next event, that 923, there were five dredge, two red-blue standstill. Two junk fish, like the, uh, what is it? Yeah, oh, junk, I guess, black, white, green. And uh, Illusions, Good Game Oath, One Shop. One Shop is good. If you if you if you got a battle through that, it's not horrible. Um, Gush, Legacy Elves. I don't know what that means behind it. <laughs> um, so Kobe joined the event, and he wanted to join with a Gushbond deck, but accidentally clicked Legacy Elves. Ah, okay. And then two join drops. So pretty varied metagame, man. You guys uh, notice anything from that? I mean, I only see Illusions once in both events. I see Dredge a lot, but it's only in one event. Uh, not a lot of Workshop. I mean, four between two events, that's what? Four and 32 decks? That's not bad. One and eight decks. Well, four and 29, because there were three drops. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, that's not that's not the worst. It doesn't sound like Shop is just, you know, definitely bad again. And Fish? There's a lot fish of Fish is at the top of the meta, or at the top of the numbers. Between both events, they've got uh, seven, eight decks. That's the highest percentage of decks. I can't figure out still why fish are so good because it doesn't seem like they're broken enough. Do you know? Do you know why fish are so good? Because they don't have hundred and ten dollar force of wills in them, and most of them don't have seventy five dollar tarmogoyfs in them. So I wouldn't play it. Right, you wouldn't play it. Most people wouldn't play without force of will or tarmogoyf if they had a choice. But a lot of these people playing the events uh, with Fish are people that started playing in the last, like, two or three months. Which, you know what? If they're going to help fire the events and they're going to place with these decks, the more power to them. I just hope that they use their prizes to buy more powerful cards. Yeah, get some forces so you can play against the broken turn ones. And plus, for a while there, I mean, we had so many shops that those Fish decks were just, you know, Killing shops left and right. I mean, I played shops there for a little while, on and, and nothing felt worse than opening up and seeing my opponent playing green, white. You know, hate. Uh, yeah, you know, I, that's I, the other thing. Getting ready to get fish, fish might not be uh, fun for us, but it does the job pretty well. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's putting up numbers. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just hate to hate, but yeah, not my thing. Well, the shop's kind of declining now. It's not quite as great a call as it used to be, but uh, it'll probably linger on for a while. I think one of the more interesting things about all the fish is you see some cards now that we have never seen, and they've been around a long time, like Fire Spout. No one was running Fire Spout. Somebody can say whatever they want. No one ran it until about three, four months ago, you know? It wasn't even viable before that. See, and that's one of the reasons I love Classic. People say it's all the same decks all the time, but, like, that's a perfect example of a card that not only is fantastic for the current format, but if you're one of the first people to realize it, then you get to capitalize and win. That's true. Yeah, that's, plus I've been getting to play my Texas uh, new lightning bolts, which I've really enjoyed. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. And, and you get aesthetic purposes as well. Everybody wins. I guess except for fish. <laughs> Andy, what do you think about fish? You you like the the call still? You think it's good in the metagame? Yeah, definitely. I think it really is. Um, and like like George said, the cost thing is 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 highly relevant. And sometimes just turning dude sideways and bashing into the red zone is uh, a refreshing change from kind of just casting up a, a single blight steel colossus and swinging in or getting an Ofa druids down and uh, bringing in an emerald. Uh, sometimes it's nice just to kind of play a a more traditional game of magic. I'll, I'll tell you, when I played in the daily event with Four Color Fish, it might not have been, you know, exciting to attack with a 3-3 Quasali Pride Mage, but beating in all of these uh, powerful combinations with my vanilla creatures was awesome. I got, to, I got to stop people from doing what they wanted to do with bad cards, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, that's, it's, awesome. I guess it's kind of a feeling of power when you can keep people from doing what they want to do. Yeah, also, uh, you know, Fish has gotten some really kind of neat cards here. Like, I love Frixian uh, Revoker, uh, one of my favorite pet cards. You know, can shut off so many things and gives Fish, you know, <coughs> the Fish decks that run it, such versatility. Uh, so, you know, they've gotten a nice uh, lot of tricks here lately as well. Definitely. I, I also like that... Uh, that little blue dude that I've seen getting play a little bit, the two-mana clone guy. Yeah, he's pretty good. I don't think he's one of the greatest fish creatures, but he's so cheap for what he does. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of my thing. In Vintage and, and Classic, specifically, there's not a lot of targeted stuff for creatures. There's just not. Well, we've definitely seen an uptick in lightning bolts and spot removal and sweepers coming into Classic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Like, like you said, Fire Spout and Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt is showing up in all kinds of decks now, and even when it was, you know, just good at killing Lodestone Golems, people didn't run it. I shake my fist at Andy right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, Lightning Bolt has gotten popular for some reason. <clears throat> We've got some deck techs now. Uh, the four-color Sphinx Control. Is there anything that we missed that we didn't go over when we talked about it the first time, guys? Not really. You guys have anything? No, I think we covered it. Well, oh, it has an icy good. manipulator in the sideboard. I didn't, I didn't miss that in the first go. That's... Angel, if you see or listen to this, 
Let us know if Icy Manipulator did anything for you. Maybe it killed those clones. Maybe it killed those clones. That's not terrible. And it can also tap down... Um, can also tap down both Oath guys. That's true. Seems pretty good against illusions. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know if you sideboarded that in and how it did. I'm assuming, based on my knowledge of you, that it is the Beta Art Icy Manipulator. I would hope. That's the only Icy Manipulator. I would also hope that it's foil, because that would make it even better. <laughs> um, Not seeing the, uh, the Rack and Ruins in a while, either. I was kind of jump out of the sideboard there. Rack and Ruin's a good a good card, and there were actually three shop decks, so he could have had a chance to use them. Yeah, I kind I really do like that card with the drains. So, uh, and then after that, we've got Osric's deck, the black, white, green vilefish. We talked a little bit more about Yixlid Jailer and Scavenging Ooze. Um, what do you What do you guys? So what we didn't talk about is what do you guys think about the scattered numbers and the very small tutor package of Consultation, Tutor, and Vampiric? Um, I mean, I don't think that's ideal, but it, it seems to be working for him. Like, I have no idea why he has one Birds of Paradise and no Noble Hierarchs and... Yeah, you know, I mean, some of the numbers are just weird. And like Josh was saying, why do you have two scavenging ooze and one Dukes of Jailer, one Tarmogoyf, one Bird, one Kataki? Now, I understand one Kataki. You know, you're not expecting a lot of shop. You might want to find that. It really counts as three with the Demonic and the Vampiric and the Singleton. But this, a lot like um, Animosity's Green White Hate, that Caracas has a lot of synergy with those legendary dudes. If you have a if you have uh, Knight of the Reliquary out there and you start slamming with those guys, you have some built-in protection. Make sure they get back in your hand safely if anything targets them. And and that's true, especially with Aether Vial. You know, bounce it back to your hand in response to a bolt and then replay it for instant speed. Yeah. The consultation, uh, and it, it doesn't bother me quite as much in, in this build as in some because... Even if things get, you know, kind of shunned out of your deck, you really don't care about them. You don't care really if your one Yixa Jailer gets thrown out or your one Birds of Paradise. Uh, you're not like you're losing your, your Voltaic Key or your or your uh, Time Vault or anything. Uh, I, I'd assume that consultations there get you meat and potatoes, your Dark Confidant, your Now the Real Aquary, uh, things you really want to have consistently. Yeah, I guess. I just, I guess that my interpretation of things that I want consistently is different. I want Dark Confidant I can't argue with. That card is amazing. But I'm pretty sure that I would want a specific hate bear much more than a Knight of the Reliquary like most of the time. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe putting up the Prod Mage to four if we could go get it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've coming up next, I've got a completely different version of the same deck. Well, let's go to it. All right, so for M Mogs League, uh, in between season two and season three, there's going to be a steel cage, as Andy alluded to earlier, and this is the deck that I thought would be fun. And uh, I made a little video of a deck tech. We all made little videos of our tech here because people ask for that kind of things. And uh, in it, 
I say the same thing I'm going to say right now. We have perfect information. I know exactly what my opponent is playing before I sit down. I know that my round one opponent is Pete Yon and that he's playing a stock illusions list. I de- that's not what I wanted to face, ideally. I'm actually a little worried about it. But I have all of these single guys that are good against pretty much the entire field. And then I'm running worldly tutors and all of the non-consultation tutors to find my one-ofs consistently. Seems pretty cool. So, like, if I were up against, let's say, workshops, ideal the ideal play would be worldly tutor, vampiric tutor, imperial seal for Kataki Wars Wage. Yeah. And then go from there. Seems good. Seems good. I like that. Um, it's a lot of hate to fight against. And it seems it, like you have that for a lot of different, you know, archetypes. You have War Priest for the Oath builds. You have Stoneforge Mystic for other creature builds. You have Kataki, as you said, for the Shops build. You have Ooze, which is pretty marginal, but it's for, like, Dredge and Graveyard builds. So you have well, eight- Ooze also, this is probably the reason Ozzy ran it, Ooze also has a lot of application in the fish decks. We're going to be trading creatures, and my Ooze is going to get big, even if it's slow. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, but... Let me ask you this. Would you fetch Ooze, or would you fetch Mystic against a creature deck? Well, I wouldn't... I would fetch Mystic, but my second fetch would probably be Ooze, since I cut the last Tarmogoyf. I pretty much cut the last Tarmogoyf for the Scavenging Ooze, because the Scavenging Ooze has application against Dredge as well as Fish, where Tarmogoyf doesn't do anything versus Dredge. Also, on another note, um, Gavin Ooze screws up Yawgmoth's will pretty well, even if you only get to snipe one or two cards before they go nuts. Yeah, I can see that. It's always nice to mess with people. But yeah, I, I tried to get everything. I don't think that there is an archetype that I am completely cold to. How's the batter skull working out for you there with just the one stone forger mystic? Well, see, the Batter Skull was the last change that I made to the deck before I submitted it. Um, I think I took out a Mox Diamond because four was too many. And I didn't want to add a land. But, uh, so the idea behind the Batter Skull is that against your control decks, your Oath of Druid decks, whatever, naturally drawing a Stoneforge Mystic and getting Batter Skull is better than getting an Umazawa's Jet. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the deck, it, it looks like it's its pretty ready for what the expected meta is. I mean, before we saw the list, that's when you submitted it. Um, what, what do you think, Josh? Yeah, I mean, really, uh, the only thing that uh, jumps out is if uh, maybe a little weak to the blue decks with, I mean, what, what you really have for, uh, you know, like a control list. I know you probably won't expect a lot of those, but... And, and, and um, that kind of grinded out, you know, Steel Cage. I was kind of expecting a lot of people to bring those blue decks to, you know, try to outplay people and kind of have have game against everything. I wasn't expecting a ton of blue control, but uh, I do have a Mind Sensor and a Gaddock Teague on top of the Dark Confidants. That's true. And that's and that's one of the reasons I added, or added the Batter Skull as well. If I'm playing against control, chances are they're not going to be able to remove my creatures. So if I if I can resolve a Stoneforge Mystic, then my four four is coming out to play. Yep. 
And with all those 2-2 two, two hate bears, are you worried about Chalice of the Void for two? Chalice of the Void for two is pretty bad. Uh, I have a main deck Croson Grip, which probably won't do anything against the Chalice of the Void since they'll have a million spheres. Yeah, Chalice of the Void for two is a bad one. <laughs> Yeah. I'll tell you why I mentioned that because I, I lose my round one as a result of uh, a resolve challenge for two. Oh, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then my sideboard is pretty much let's hate dredge because I'm a creature deck, and then some extra curse and grip action against the uh, Otha Druids. I, I wasn't as worried about workshops as I was about the other archetypes. Very cool. So uh, check out Georgie's video, and uh, yeah, we'll see how uh, we all do in this event. Um, You're up next, guys. Yeah, well, let's have a look at some uh, some classic deeds still. Yeah, so I talked about it last week, and it's funny, Josh, a.k.a. the Wild Dog, said he expects a lot of people with grinded out blue decks, because that's exactly what I'm running here. Um this deck looks like it would be a surprisingly bad underdog to stacks lists, but <laughs> you would be mistaken. It actually has a lot of game. Uh, number one, it runs a lot of lands. It runs 23 lands. I'm kind of tempted to say it's probably going to be the most in the tournament for a classic deck that's a ton. Um, on top of that, nine of those are colorless lands that really help in that matchup. Mistress Factories are often you know, ignored. But they take out 5-3 uh, big sphere dudes, and they're generally pretty useful, especially when you're running stuff like Life from the Loam. Um, the main difference between this and like the Legacy list is I have a couple of tutors that get me what I want. Uh, they usually count as Jace or Deed 5-7. Uh, and um, also I'm running Mana Drain, where a lot of these old decks used to run Counterspell, and I think Mana Drain in a deck like this, it actually prompted me to add three Factor Fictions on top of the... Uh, Jace's, and really my my theory behind this deck is this: I don't have any turn one broken plays. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm semi hypocritical for not having a turn one tinker possibility. But I think in a tournament like this, it's kind of like I like the way I like the way these decks play out in a grinded up tournament. And uh, you know, this is a deck I have a ton of experience with in Legacy, like. I feel more confident with this deck than almost any other deck on Earth as far as the Legacy iteration. And uh, I really like it a lot, so I kind of am interested to see what happens. Needless to say, if you can ever land a deed against... You know, Fish decks, it's kind of a toss-up because they might have a, a, a way to pop it or something like that. You just have to wait till you have five mana. But uh, especially against shops, if you ever land a deed, that's game over. It's, it's the game is done. And uh, that's kind of my thinking. I, I, I really think it plays really well against the field. You'll notice I have a ton of dredge hate in my sideboard because I have no outs to dredge game one. Standstills immediately come out, and we start over. Standstills, factor fictions, and something else. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you can check out my video below. I'll go through it real quick in more detail. Ah, that sounds really good. The one interesting thing is Factor Fiction has just been unrestricted in Vintage, and a lot of the discussions that I've been reading around the potential impact of that is, ah, you don't need Factor Fiction, um, much rather run Jace the Mind Sculptor in the forecasting cost card slot, and here you are jamming both Jace the Mind Sculptor and Factor Fiction uh, in, into the same day, so that's pretty cool there. 
Yeah, I, I gotta admit, I'm, I'm hoping to meet a lot of creature decks. That's kind of my thinking on it. And also, you know, in that in that stacks matchup, something that's really come to my attention that I wasn't even considering before I tested it was my Elstrom Pulse is a freaking all-star against Phyrexian Metamorph. It is ridiculous. It, it's an automatic two-for-one if people play Metamorph, and it's good against... You're not usually going to get to play it against Dredge if they have a lot of zombie tokens, because you're probably dead anyway. So it's not even worth talking about in that scenario. But, yeah, in, in the stacks matchup, it's surprisingly good. I realize it's pretty good against a bunch of zombie tokens. Yeah, but usually if they have a lot of zombie tokens, it doesn't really matter, because they have a bunch of bridge from belows in their graveyard, and they're going to Dredge the next turn anyway. I realize it doesn't synergize with the deed, but did you consider jamming uh, Dark Confidant in here? Uh, kind of. To tell you the truth, in the sideboard, it used to be Dark Confidants instead of uh, the... <coughs> I, I added two Ravenous Traps and two Vendillion Clicks, and I kind of wanted them Vendillion Clicks because they really mess with a lot of decks, I mean, especially combo decks, but they really mess with fish decks because it gives me a r way to race them before I'm ready to deed, and he's kind of annoying. I can get rid of whatever fish they have in their hand that's going to annoy me and replace it with something that's hopefully not going to be as good. Plus he blocks. But yeah. Plus he blocks. And he pitches to force it well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so what do, you, what do you think of this guy, Josh? It uh, looks pretty good. Uh, just uh, given Zach's love of uh, gifts ungiven, I'm kind of uh, <laughs> taken back that he didn't try to jam this in there as well. <laughs> you know, I, I totally would jam gifts ungiven in here if I had enough singletons. I just don't think I do. And well, it'd be good with the uh, life from Loam and you know in the long game that way. But yeah, other than that, you're right. You don't have a whole whole lot to take advantage of it. That's kind of what I'm going for with the Factor Fiction, though, because that's what Loam gives me. I just pick whatever pile Loam's not in, and I'm going to get that back anyway. And on top of that, your deck has so much redundancy with the four ofs that uh, you don't mind if you lose one of your Jaces to get uh, Pernicious Deed, or vice versa, depending on the matchup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. It's scary because the one thing that I have noticed, especially, you know, testing last night with this thing, I don't have enough spot removal. That's one thing the Legacy version has. I don't really pay attention to it because it's always three different singletons. Like, it'll be an Innocent Blood, a Diabolic Edict, and a, um, what is the one, the Black Phyrexian one that's one in four life and it's minus five, minus five. Dismember? Yeah, and one Dismember. And I, I took those out completely, mostly, and just straight swapped those for the tutors. But in hindsight, I could probably go down to two-factor fiction and probably kill, like, the Imperial Seal and put in two removal spells. It would be better, but, you know, too late. I've already submitted, so we'll see how it goes. Well, you the, know, the other interesting thing about factor fiction is that you give your opponent a lot of opportunities to lose the game with that card. Oh, yeah. It's... Factor Fiction is surprisingly skill-intensive. For anybody who hasn't played with it before, like if you're newer to the game, that that is the difference between winning and losing a lot of the time. Like, you're like, oh, you know what? Um, he won't pick these two cards. They don't look as good as these three, even though the card I really don't want him to have is in the two stack. And bam, you know, the guy sees right through your little ploy, and he'll pick the right card. Or it's, it's basically, it puts the onus on your opponent to say how the game's going to go. And it's it's not easy. 
Yeah, you considered demonic consultations over Imperial Seal. I did. It probably wouldn't have been bad. Um, the only thing, the only reason I held back in the end was one because I'm. It's not like I need something besides Force of Will that's going to be. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, my biggest thing is that when I win the game, I usually have between 17 to 24 cards left in my library because I, I cycle my loam a lot. And I think I just had this thing in the back of my head, like, you know, I can't afford to lose, like, 20 cards or whatever that normal would be. Um, but you, you're probably right. It probably could be Demonic Consultation. I don't think that would be a horrible spell there, especially getting a misstep, a mana drain, or a force of will in a pinch. Good times. Well, good luck in the uh, in the cage. Thanks, buddy. Next, we got uh, a. Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is what I decided to um, submit for the for the steel cage. Um, it's a bit of a rogue deck, um, similar to a deck that Excorpio ran um, back in uh, back in June time. Um, we've got um, a kind of tight creature package of, of Dark Confidant, Bloodgast, and, and Stoneforge Mystic. And that's how the deck started out, with just those three creatures. Um, we really wanted to be able to abuse Skullclamp. I, I love Skullclamp, and um, Classic is the only kind of uh, real format that you can play it in. And uh, being able to uh, chuck a Skullclamp on a 2-1 Duda and uh, draw two cards is, is great. And chucking um, the ability to bring back the blood gas by, by playing a fetch land or, or any other land um, to bring him back and repeat the process uh, just seems great and um, been increasingly um, intrigued by Stoneforge Mystic and, and uh, like George I've got um, a battle skull and um, in this kind of uh, semi-future heavy environment of classic at the moment I've got the Jitte there to go and find and I've got two copies of, of Skullclamp and then we've got Dark Confidant just because I love the love the card advantage my curve is very very low so I'm not too worried about um, the damage that I'm, I'm taking off of the Dark Confidant each time and then I wanted to be able to take aim at all of the creature decks in the format and I wanted a way to be able to deal with uh, Blightsteel Colossus so I'm packing Swords to Plowshares and Lightning Bolts and this was really kind of how the deck was testing out but the other thing that was really critical to get in the deck to work um, especially on the turn one plays was to be able to run some disruption um, so we've got um, Inquisition of Cosalix and we've also got um, Cabal Therapy and I, I like those two, two in particular. The therapies just really are tight plays, especially with the Bloodgast. Get so much mileage out of being able to go for two cards. And the, the, the Inquisition was something I've been for a while. It's, it's obviously worse than Thoughtseize, but when you're taking life from Dark Confidant um, and, and City of Brass, um, it seemed legitimate, and a lot of the threats in the format are three mana or less. So that that made the cut and was talking to Georgian client and was just sort of saying yeah this is the deck I'm going to play it's really bad to um, to Oath and uh, he asked the question of how I beat Oath and my response was well I kind of have to get lucky really and uh, duress effect it out of their hand before they can resolve it and uh, we got talking and yeah we've got a few other options and that that was when we decided to introduce uh, the the Leonin Relic Warder as well, just to give some protection. And I played three copies to start with, and uh, was so impressed with, uh, with its ability to uh, answer some of the real important cards of the format, like Time Vault or a Sphere Effect or uh, an Oath of Druids, that I ran up to four. So that that fleshed out the creature. 
Suzuki. And the, the, the mana in, in the deck really um, relies on the Rainbow Lands of City of Brass and Gemstone Mines. I, I'm, I'm wanting to get the, uh, the double white for the, um, the Relic Warder and double black for the Bloodgast, but I also want regular access to red as well. And to flesh that out, I've got some uh, marsh flats. Um, the the sack lands working really well. The blood gas because you can bring them back more times in a turn off those. And so that's how it gelled together. Um, a couple of tutors. And then the sideboard. I kind of put this deck together after the um, the Thursday night event fired. And seeing five dredge decks, I I kind of overreacted there, overcompensated, and. Uh, uh, jammed my sideboard with four Jailers and four Leyland of the Void thinking hey let's go and uh, dream crush some dredge players I would say that if you were worried about dredge that you didn't put enough Pete in your deck maybe maybe we could uh, I mean the, the lightning bolts um, are, are vaguely useful against dredge and being able to kill their bridge from below um, but yeah I do agree um that was the, the the thinking behind it air anyway, um, you, and then you you've got a good number eight is fine. But if you were like truly worried about it, like I would have been, if I were in your shoes, I probably would have put in two Tormod scripts as well. I maybe yeah could have just really jammed out, but um, or maybe put the jailers in the main two jailers in the main. Would, uh, or, would take or care that. Of it. Yeah, yeah, I did try jailers in the main as well. So that's that's the list I I fired in. Uh, um, I knew it was soft to uh, a few strategies, and one of those was uh, Chalice of the Void for two, and that was my downfall in round one. Um, but it's a good deck and fun deck to play, and I'll probably keep keep throwing it around and uh, keep tweaking the numbers and um, look at maybe move a couple of those years to the main as well. So, yeah, that's what I what I went with. Very cool, man. Well, we'll be looking forward to uh, seeing how your progressions come with the deck. Uh, I do love Skull Clamp and Blood Gas. That just seems so good. I agree. That is spicy. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, there have been games where the Blood Gas has just really won the whole game for you, just drawing so many cards, just burning through your library, and then sorts of the plowshares and lightning bolting anything out of the way and just swinging with the Blood Gas. Sounds good. The one question... And I had, Andy, actually for you and uh, for Whiff, when I was looking at your, your, your fish uh, list, your hater list, back when, you know, Timmons was running the uh, the old-style fish, I ran a vile version that I really liked against shops, and I've always wondered why people didn't uh, don't run vile in their hate fish decks more. Uh, and maybe both of you guys could kind of speak to that and why chose to go without Vile. I mean, I know it turns on some artifact hate uh, for, for your opponents, but just maybe yeah. your, your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, um, so I... Go ahead, George. Okay, well, I, I tested with Vile. Um, I actually spoke to Excorpio in client, um, just because he'd had some experience with playing with this kind of list. And I did test with it, but in the end, I ended up reducing my creature package. So, the first iteration of this deck had some... Um, Gorilla Shaman and some Goblin Vandals. Um, oh yeah, so, uh, I remember Mox Monkey. Yeah, so it had it had a higher creature count, and the the vial worked better there. But when I reduced the creatures down, I, I went down to I think it was like ten creatures at one point. Um, the vial just really had to get cut at that stage, and I found that having a a threat or a way to deal with something was, was a lot more relevant than being able to vial back in a creature. And my blood gasts were kind of all 
you had on the viral effect, in that once you'd kind of got the first one out there, you could just lay a land and get it back on the table without having having to worry. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and also, um, I was hoping to really get a dude on the table turn one, um, hopefully off the back of a lotus petal. Um, if not, I definitely want to be getting my creatures down um, on the table. And, and, and I just found that the vial didn't work. It got cut, and I never looked back. Um, having said that, once the Relic Water came back in, and if I'm looking at putting a couple of Jailer main deck as well, um, then there might be some scope for getting them in. I, I guess I could remove the Disenchants and, and the Pyroblast from the main to, to try and um, reaccommodate them in the list. But just, just the kind of where the deck went and, and how it evolved um, I just ended up without the vial and uh, I think you're right in that there's a lot of um, artifact hate at the moment um, I guess if they want to hit my vial that's cool as long as they're not hitting my skull clamp um, but that's that was the kind of rationale and the way I kind of went into it I don't know if George was the same um, well either vial you either run four of it or you run zero and um, besides turning on random artifact hate that people might have, I, I mean, that's not such a big deal, because my deck is running Mox Diamond, and that randomly turns on artifact hate as well. But one of the big reasons that I don't really like uh, Aether Vial, and I like Noble Hierarch better, is because Aether Vial might be better in the long game, but Noble Hierarch is faster. You, you can't get a turn two Trigon Predator with an Aether Vial, but you can with a Noble Hierarch. And in the fish decks that I like to play, I like to play a higher um, spell count than most people do, and Aether Vial doesn't help you cast your spells, where Noble Hierarch and Mox Diamond do. So for me, I guess it's just a preference as to why I don't like Aether Vial. I'd rather play spells than uh, have instant speed creatures. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, Josh, you didn't make the event this time out. No, I uh, actually I'm going to Jamaica for a week and a half. So very <laughs> nice, very nice. I'll be out of town. So, so um, if if you were going to rack up to a, a single elimination type event, what what would you have been tempted to pitch up with? You know, I was actually thinking of uh, a control gush uh, build. I was thinking you'd see a lot of blue decks. Uh, you'd see a lot of uh, decks where you'd have to have long term card advantage. So I thought like. Uh, a control gush build similar to the one that uh, almost won the vintage champs with uh, both gush and bobs. Uh, that's what I was fiddling around with anyway. So sounds sounds good. Well, we'll get into the rest of the decks in the in the stage next week. Um, but it, I think people have been um, more innovative. In the, sorry, I hate that word. <laughs> uh, having a little bit more fun, uh, taking up some different decks and uh, really challenging the format. So next up, we've got some Innistrad previews, and uh, George has picked out four cards, uh, one of which we already have in the client, but with a different art, um, for us to kind of digest and talk over. So, George, do you want to lead us into the first card? I just want to say that my original list was ten cards, and I was bullied into removing six of them. Straight up! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, up first, we have Memory's Journey, which, besides... The fantastic art. It's amazing. Um, this is a straight-up better Croson Reclamation. Uh, one blue instant. Target player shuffles three cards from their graveyard into their library. Uh, for the same convert cost, you get to 
put in an extra card instead of just two, which seems pretty good. And then the flashback cost is green. Um, but, so you get an extra card put back in, and you can pitch the card to Force Will. I don't see Crosen Reclamation ever getting played again. Agreed. I mean, I think the application for this is pretty narrow. It's not going to see play in that many decks or that many situations. But yeah, I guess miles better than the uh, than the reclamation. So it might not I guess see play least... in it might not see play in lots of decks, but it consistently sees play. Right now in vintage, it's part of uh, the Runescar Demon Oath package. That's what I was going to say. I think it's much better in the Demon Oath package than almost anything else. Um, it also, if anybody was going to play the Sun Titan Oath package, it would also be better than Reclamation there, too. And you see Reclamation, uh, popping up a couple of different vintage lists now. Yeah. This card being blue to, to pitch to Force of Will, um, might give it the push that some people want to try and abuse their graveyards even more. Do you think it's got application in the Hermit Druid deck? Uh, sure, why not? I mean, like, I don't know what three cards you'd want to bring back, but it could be, like, a good backup plan. Yeah, what if, uh, what if they remove your Laboratory Maniac? Then you Memories Journey in, uh, three Laboratory Maniacs. Seems good. Or even part of the combo that you had to discard before. Yeah, or you Laboratory, or you Memories Journey back, uh, let's say Mental Misstep. Spell Snare and Laboratory Maniac. This card is almost a mini Doomsday if you can mill your deck. Hmm. Interesting. Not that Crossbreaker wasn't any Doomsday, but this gives you one extra card and it pitches the Force of Will. Yeah. So if if you're three cards, you have um, Brainstorm and then a two card combo. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Or if someone discarded your channel and you wanted to get it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with all your points. I mean, it's going strictly uh, replace reclamation, but it's it's a little broader of a card, you know. It's it's got a little bit more of a, like we said, a little far ranger application. It might branch out a little bit more. So we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. You know what else I just thought about is that card's also a shuffle effect for brainstorm and stuff like that. That's true as well. So very fun. Um, next up, we have a Planeswalker that one of our clannies I was talking about before the cast here, Caxon, said uh, wasn't going to see him play in Legacy and Classic, he didn't think, but in Standard it would be good. And i got to say, you know, I disagree. It's a card you can play off black, you know, uh, one black mana off Dark Ritual in the format. Um, it's pretty good against certain decks, uh, especially the decks that are running, you know, the single creature oath builds and stuff like that that can't be targeted. Um, it's it's pretty good. George said against fish. I mean, it, it definitely. I think this card has a lot of potential. The more I think about it, and that's um, that's without even trying to abuse the plus one ability. Yeah. Well, and the go ahead. The ult the ultimate seems pretty achievable as well. Um, I don't know. Well, okay. Yeah, for sure it is. Because, look, turn it's one Dark Ritual Liliana, you got four counters on it. It's achievable, sure, but what are you going to do with that? 
Uh, well, <laughs> you can totally manipulate somebody's board who has two or more, you know, decent threats. You can put all their land in one and their threat in another and just totally lock them out if you have the answer. Uh, you can do a lot of things with it, I think. Yeah, I guess factor fictioning their permanence is just as good as playing factor fiction. Ah, uh, that, that effect is way better than factor fiction. But that's, that's what it most closely resembles, right? Agreed. Yeah, it's definitely permanent separation. Um, Josh, you think this card has abilities? You were talking about one deck that might use this? Yeah, when I first thought of it, I thought about, you know, what decks does it really slot right into. Uh, and the first thing that came to the mind was the kind of vintage style, uh, dark depths, black decks, uh, that, uh, it really kind of fit right in. They already run an edict effect, uh, so here you get an edict effect for maybe one more mana, but this one lingers around. And also, uh, those decks very often get down to card in hand, whether, you know, throwing out stuff with Ritual, they're uh, throwing out a lot of discard to uh, to hurt their opponents, so they get down and have to live off the top, and here that plus one won't even hurt you that much. You know, you're, if you've not got anything, you know, you've run out of gas in your hand, you know, you're hurting only your opponent with that plus one discard effect, so I think it slots in very nice to those dark depth style uh, uh, decks that maybe we could see uh, resurgence in classic. I ran one to a couple uh uh, three ones in, uh, you know, back at the beginning of the year, and uh, I think it could fit right into one of these uh, type of decks. Yeah. Uh, you know where else this card would fit right into is your Deed Still deck, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see it fitting in there. I, I don't. It'd be a little bit harder to cast because I only run three Underground Seas, um, but yeah, it's totally playable. It survives Pernicious Deed just like Jace does. Um, it, it gives it, you the removal that you needed. Yeah, it's spot removal. It, it seems pretty good. The only thing is, when I talk about removal and what I have in the deck, if you want to count three mana removal, I have that. I have Maelstrom Pulse, and that's not too hard to find. But no, I agree you with you. It's not I, instant speed, I realize, but you do get like you do get two removal spells out of her. And and I do like the the I guess. Um, broad-ranging effect of the discard because, you know, my deck's running Life from the Loam, so... And Standstill. Yep. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely pretty cool so far. Um, I, I like it. I think it'll see play. I think it'll definitely see play in Legacy. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. So what, what ways <laughs> are there to kind of break the synergy of that discard? Um, sort of madness cards and squee-squee... Goblin the boob. I forgot. I mean, is, is madness in this set? No, madness is not set. No. Hmm. Yeah, I can't really think of any great madness cards that I'd want to use this with. But uh, the only ones really are basking root walla and uh, I guess fiery temper. But you don't want to be playing those cards in classic. Yeah. I mean, another deck that I would see myself sliding this into is George. You remember that black green aggro deck I was playing a little while ago? Yeah. I I could totally see it there. Same thing with Life from the Loam and the the Wastelands and the Strip Mines and I mean that's a big advantage against uh, other creature decks. Yeah, it's 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 pretty ridiculous. Um good card. I I I think it's good. We'll we'll see if it turns out to be that way. I mean, I, I just think as you know, like you said, it, it's an edict effect, so everything after that is just bonus. Like maybe in even your deck, Andy, your your haterade deck, throw one of these in, uh use that plus one to discard a blood ghast, uh, you know, and then, you know, edict them the next turn, clear the way for the ghast. I mean, 
interactions that could be really good. Just a little bit of work put in. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. I like the Bloodgast, yeah. And the fact that you can play it for one mana with a Dark Ritual is just... I think that's what pushes it over the edge. You can't play Planeswalkers turn one unless it's a broken turn. Like, you know I mean? I'm, I'm pulling turn one sometimes where I'm getting land, Lotus Petal, mana, mana Crypt, Jace. But that's a lot of cards. You're talking about a three-card combo with this. You're talking about land, Dark Ritual, Liliana. That's totally doable. And you're going to be running four Dark Rituals. Yep. So, yeah, seems pretty good. Next, we have a card that is already in the client, but I feel like the artwork is crazy good. Um, I, I don't know. I like werewolves. I know Zach thinks it's pretty boss. Andy thinks it's poop. What do you think, uh, Josh? I mean, yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, with I love the art here, the the werewolf kind of in in the flames, uh, destroying uh, the religious idol here. I mean, what was the last one? A, a bunch of stuff burning. I mean, come on, that's that's not cool. There's <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing fun about that. A bunch of uh, gold cups and stuff in some flame. Uh, this one's got a lot more flavor. Uh, it really kind of speaks to the flavor from the set, you know, from the new Innistrad set, and uh, I, I really dig it. Is this and the other one had the same new frame, right? Yeah, so yeah. they're both yeah. in the same frame. Okay, yeah, the old, that's the only way I'd consider the old one as opposed to the old frame still, because I still love the uh, the old frame and the you know the the way the foils have the swoosh on them. So those ones are cool still, but yeah, definitely straight up head to head same frame. Mm, yeah, I'd say this one. Um, alright, so last, I guess, is Past in Flames, which is a little debatable as to whether it's going to make an impact or not, but most of us here seem to think that if you put in the work, you can make it work. I, I think it's an amazing card. Yeah, who's, who's the detractor? Zach is the detractor. I am the detractor. And I think any card that you have to put work in to make it good, when there's another card that's functionally better, is probably not going to be good in the end. Flashback which or card, not. Which card are you what? talking about being functionally better? Yagmos will. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but Yagmos will's restricted. So what? You only need to play it once. Yeah, but you could draw this one four times. So? If you wanted. You you could draw this one four times, and you would need way more than four mana each time you use it. No, I'm saying you need to draw a Yawgmoth's Will. You need to get it into your hand. So play this four is Mystical easier tutors. to get into your hand. Play four Mystical Tutors. Oh, boy. So, at any rate, uh, some of the things that, you know, we were kicking around were uh, maybe in, like, a Grim Long version, having extra Yawgmoth's Wills would be good. Maybe uh, with Burning Wishes, having extra Yawgmoth's Wills would be good. Uh, Blue-red combo, you could cut black out completely if you wanted to. The, the card does not get Lotus Petal. The card does not get Lion's Eye Diamond. But it still gets all the other busted cards. It still gets Tendrils. It still gets Empty Dwarves. It still gets Grape Shot, even. Jeez. Yeah, it does that. But it costs one more mana, it's a worse color, and it only gets those. So you lose the other good stuff. That's all my detracting. You guys go for it. I will step back. All right, so Andy, why do you like it? 
I dislike it for the fact that it is a, a pseudo Yagmos will. It gives you the opportunity of running five type of these effects, increasing your, your chance of having that busted play to, to bring back all the ritual effects and um, potentially increased uh, sorceries. And uh, I, just, I just think that there's a, an engine there that can really tick. Um, another, another interesting thing about this, if, you, if it gets uh, counterspelled... You know, that kind of sucks. But you've got flashback, too. And five might be a lot, but if it's late in the game, you can finagle five mana to start a ritual chain. Yeah, I, I agree, George. I mean, when I've been playing the uh, the bargain build I've been working on, uh, so many times it's not not having the lotuses that get you. It's, it's uh, you know, you don't have enough ritual effects. And this lets you kind of multiply your ritual f effects. You could maybe branch out and get the Rod of Flames in red. Uh, and then hopefully with enough of those kind of ritual effects coming together, you won't need those lotuses quite as, those, those petals quite as much coming out of the graveyard. You can kind of compensate for that. So I think it would be, I think it might turn out okay. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this head-to-head versus Yawgmoth's Will, in regards to Lotus Petal versus Rite of Flame, you gain a ton more mana with Rite of Flame than you do with Lotus Petal. Yeah, I guess the problem is that when you cast Past in Flames, you need to have at least one floating mana. So this is really a five mana casting cost card. Yeah, I mean, that's a problem, but you could go Dark Ritual, Rite of Flame, and a land, and there you, you have your five mana to start with, and your extra. Now, I'm correct in assuming when you play a card's flashback cost, it's removed from the game, correct? Yes. Right. So, Rite of Flame gets worse on the second iteration, but it still produces more mana than uh, Lotus Petal. There's a good way of dumping a lot of your cards into your graveyard and then using the flashback on Path to Flames to replay all of the instants and sorceries in your packed-out graveyard. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, there's that, too. You cannot resolve Yawgmoth's Will from your graveyard. And it turns on um, Mental Mist there. Oh, no, sorry, you'd have to pay the mana cost, wouldn't you? Yeah. No, you can, uh, as the Phyrexian Life is part of the mana cost, so that would be free. Yeah, sure. Now, the, the one thing I keep thinking about is you always have cards in these sets that look so good. And, you know, what they're promising you sounds so good before you experience it, and... I think the best example might be the card that all three of us were so freaking high on, which is good, and it sees play sometimes, but not enough, and that's Beast Within. Didn't we all just think that card was just going to take over? I mean, it's so ridiculous in theory. Uh, I think it's ridiculous in practice, too. I yeah. run it in every deck that wants to Vindicate. Mm, do you run it in Fish? Fish doesn't want to Vindicate that blocks. I don't know. All I'm saying is, I think that card was way better than this one, and that card does not see a ton of play. Yeah, but you can't build around Beast Within. You can build sure you around can. Yeah, you can. Oath of Druids, baby. Yeah, but, I mean, build around is a strong word. I mean, in terms of it fitting right into Oath, it, it fits a very niche thing in Oath. This Past and Flames, you know, is much more dynamic, I think. It has much larger implications. I mean, the biggest thing is, if there's any stacks whatsoever, any stacks whatsoever, 
any deck that's going to run this is not going to be as happy. Well, yeah, but that's with any deck that wants to uh, play multiple But uh, that's kind of where I'm going with this. Isn't, don't we all agree that Storm is, in theory, one of the best possible decks? I mean, it's, it, look at the deck. I mean, it's a ridiculous deck. It's hard to beat. But just the mere presence of shops is like, oh, well, you know, can't really do it. Yeah, but, you know, if you're running this sure. cast in flames with a real heavy red shell, you open up your your deck design to having a lot of answers to shops, whereas the mono black and black blue storm decks don't historically have access to cards like Ancient Grudge. I guess. I'm interested. One of you guys needs to money with this now. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> money where your mouth is. Exactly. No, then you can then you can do what I keep doing with George and Middle Misstep. You can tell me how retarded I am. <laughs> yeah. All right, so money where your mouth is. I guess that brings us to uh, season two of the league, Zacky Poo. Yeah, season. I was I was excited about that. Uh, I actually ended up. Uh, I am the season two champion, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'll put my videos in the article. And uh, yeah, I don't have a ton to say. It was a cool tournament. Yeah, and next time you'll play a deck with some soul. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know I did poorly, and I don't think Andy entered. Uh, how did you do in the event, Josh? Uh, I finished pretty pretty middle of the pack, unfortunately. A couple of the clan mates took me out on the on the way uh, through. I think Zach, you you got me, didn't you? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had some. Uh, I, I, I I played the actually the slower dredge build. And I played the faster dredge twice, I believe. <laughs> so it was a, a mirror match that I was heavily disfavored in both times. So and turn out well. I. It's funny you say that. I. I played I think seven or eight games total in the tournament, and I saw dredge three times in the tournament, and that was probably one of the decks I was least prepared for. So I just got incredibly lucky. Seemed like a lot of people brought the, the zombies to the second season. I wasn't surprised it ended up meeting you in the finals. Yeah, I was like, you know, I, I have to say, with the finals, when I was looking at it, it was either going to be Green White Fish with Animosity, or it was going to be the uh, Dredge with Stuart Ulk, and neither one of those were a great proposition for me, because the Green White Fish was running just a ton of hate for Othex in general, and Caracas, and both of those things I hate. Yeah, they're both they're both good versus Emeralds. So yeah, yeah, guys, anything else this week? Oh, uh, I can't I can't think of anything. No, I think Classic seems to have got a little bit of a bounce back in its step though. Yeah. Firing midweek, yeah. the um, season two rounding out, the cage starting, um, potential rumors um, that we're going to soon have the next block on Magic Online coming towards us. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we're kind of coming out of the summer slump as well as uh, autumn starts to draw its hair ugly head. So let's hope that this is uh, the start of a, a classic resurgence and that classic will <laughs> go from strength to strength over the next couple of months. Well, Andy, I'll tell you one way I know classic bounce back a little bit. You want to know how? I'm looking down at the recording yeah. bar, and we're already over an hour and 20 minutes on this podcast. Uh, wow. 
Yeah, no, good times, good times. So, um, just like to thank Josh for joining us. Um, great to have you on board, and uh, great to your view your your experience with Dredge. And we hope that the listeners enjoyed um, exposure to another one of the uh, class clan Magic Eternal uh, clan mates. Um, we'd like to thank uh, MTGOTraders.com for sponsoring us and PureMTGO.com for uh, for sponsoring us. And um, yeah, we'll see you in seven, guys. All right, guys. Thank you, Josh, so much for coming on, man. Well, it was great having thanks, you. Thanks for having me, man. I've been wanting to do it for a while, and, you know, like you guys said, Hope Classic starts to pick up, and this week, you know, where we fired that one during the week, it shows that if we organize a little bit, we can uh, we can get those things to fire, so maybe next couple of weeks we can try to try to raid those weekly night uh, DEs a little bit more. Let's do it. Let's do it. I thought I just said have a good one. Oh, uh, I didn't even hear you. All right. Yeah. Well, Bye. Ha, 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 ha.